0: The lesson is taken from Titus chapter 1, verses 1 to 5, which can be found in the Church Bibles on page 1198. Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to further the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth that leads to godliness, in the hope of eternal life, which God, who does not lie, promised before the beginning of time, and which now, at his appointed season, he has brought to light through the preaching entrusted to me by the command of God our Saviour, to Titus, my true son, in our common faith. Grace and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our savior the reason i left you in crete was that you might put in order what was left unfinished and appoint elders in every town as i directed you this is the word of the lord speak to god
1: Well, let me encourage you to keep your Bibles handy and to keep that passage open in front of you. Uh, A very good morning to all of you. It's really good to see you again. Um, Sarah and I were over in Houghton at St. Catherine's last week and then here, there and everywhere for New Year's and Christmas. So it's good to be back amongst you and to be able to to worship God together and look at this passage as well. 2022. It's still got that new year feel to it, doesn't it? Just a few weeks into January. And I wonder, what will 2022 hold for you? What will it hold for us as a church? Well, God willing, this will be the year that we will be planting a new congregation in Thermiston. And there's lots and lots to be excited about. But there's also lots of uncertainty. There's over 13,000 people living in Therm- Thermiston There's five schools, a new housing estate being built, an amazing opportunity. But where on earth do we start? Maybe that's what you're thinking. Well, in the midst of those emotions, our hopes and our concerns, we need to hear God speak to us and to direct us. We need to stop and to listen to God's word. And That's why we're running this four-part series in Titus, to establish what our priorities need to be when we're planting in this new year. Throughout this series, we're going to be hearing from those who are involved in church planting. A little bit later in the service, we'll have the opportunity to watch an interview with a church planter based in southern Leicester. But for now, we're going to be unpacking the opening of this letter, so let me just Pray again briefly for us as we start that together, Father God. We thank you for this word. We thank you for this exciting opportunity to think more deeply about planting. Help us to listen, to engage, and to go from this place encouraged and equipped to serve you better. We ask for your glory. Amen. Ninety-two words. Ninety-two words. That's all it takes for the apostle Paul to open his letter to Titus. There's no throwaway sentence here about the weather. No, the start of this letter is a hairdryer in face kind of experience. In just those 92 words, Paul manages to cram in uh, a reminder as to who he is, who he's writing to, and why he's writing this letter. And in the midst of all that, we have this rich theology, this beautiful rich theology that helps us to establish our key priorities for church planting. But before we dig deeper into those rich truths together, let's briefly unpack the, the background to what's going on here so we know where we stand for the rest of this series. So who was Paul? Who was the author of this letter? You, uh, you may or may not be used to Twitter, the social media platform that allows uh, people to uh, share ideas and to follow others and sharing their ideas and to tell the world who they are. Well, perhaps you can guess who these people are based on their Twitter bios. Uh, this says, uh, former Mr. Olympia, Conan, Terminator, Governor of California, I told you I'd be back. Any ideas as to who that is? Yeah, it's the mighty Arnie, isn't it? And there he is. Very good. Well done. Well, how about this one? A bit more simple. I play tennis. Very understated. It's not not Djokovic. Very good. Rob's had his Weetabix this morning. Very good. Any other guesses? You almost got there yesterday. It is Andy Murray. Yeah, very good. Well done. Well, how about the Apostle Paul? What would he say in his Twitter bio? We have it here in verse 1, don't we? He simply says, Paul... Servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ. That's what Paul really wants you to know about him. These two things that Paul, this is how he identifies himself above everything else. Not based on his appearance, his favorite hobbies or sports teams. No, who is Paul? He is a servant. One who has given his life, his all to serving God. And he's an apostle. One who is sent. That's what apostle means, sent one. And Paul has been sent to plant churches. And as an apostle, he is an eyewitness to Jesus from that road on Damascus experience. Well, he is the one who bears testimony to who Jesus is and he lays the foundation to the church. So that's Paul. But then secondly, well, who was Titus? Who is it who's receiving this letter Well, we know from other parts of the New Testament that Titus is from a a Greek, non Jewish background, but that he's taught and he's trained by Paul to be a worker for the gospel. There's a real closeness between them. I don't know if you spotted that in verse 4. Paul writes to Titus, my true son, in our common faith. And it's into that close relationship in the faith that Titus works alongside Paul and accompanies him on several of his missionary journeys. We discover from this letter in verse 5 that on one such journey, Paul and Titus went to the Mediterranean island of Crete together. Try not to be too envious. And it's there that Paul and Titus, well, it's there that Paul left Titus to carry on the work and to establish new churches on that island. And that's where this letter comes in. This is why Paul is writing to Titus. Paul is giving him instructions on how to proceed in that work. What to prioritize when establishing new churches in this unreached community. And so for us here at St. Luke's, as we look to plant into Thermiston, as we seek to send and support and grow and go, we can be listening to what Paul says to Titus in this letter and take on his priorities for planting. So as we look at these opening verses together, let's unpack what Paul's priorities are. His first priority is to be planting local churches. We see that in the verse that we just looked at in verse 5, where Paul stresses that the purpose that Titus is on Crete is to be appointing leaders, elders of churches in every town. Now, uh, Google tells me there are, there are 600,000 people living in Crete today in uh, about six major cities and numerous towns. And whilst there would have been fewer people and fewer towns back in Paul and Titus's day, there still would have been a huge task, appointing leaders to oversee each church in each town throughout Crete. That's a major task. But Paul calls Titus to this ministry because it is his major task. Priority to see local churches in each of Crete's communities. Why? Why does Paul hold this conviction? Well, because he's been called to spread the gospel to the ends of the earth. Acts, kind of one, uh, one verse eight, kind of stuff. And Paul knows and believes that the most effective way of doing this, well, is through the local church. Strong, healthy churches embodying the gospel, not simply communicating a message but living out the good news. That's what will transform communities. That's how this gospel will spread and spread. It's a pattern we see established throughout the New Testament that as the gospel goes out, that's done through the local church. So Paul's first priority in this passage is to be planting local Christian communities in each town and area because it is the most effective way of spreading the good news. And as we think about our planting situation and think to Thermiston, and we want to reach those 13,000 people with the gospel, we can recognize with Paul that the most effective way to do that will be through a local church plant, living and sharing the hope that we have with them there. And this leads us on to Paul's second priority, which is to know the truth of the gospel. Have a look down at uh, verse 1. Paul writes, I'm Paul, I'm a servant, I'm an apostle, and I'm writing this to you to further the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth. Paul makes it clear to Titus in verse 1 that a key purpose for his whole ministry there is to further the faith. His goal is to see churches grow, grow numerically as more and more people come to faith. Here Paul describes Christian believers as God's elect, those elected, chosen by God. And whilst there's that, there's lots that I could uh, begin to unpack here. I want us to be encouraged by the confidence that this statement should give us. It's God who chooses who it is who will respond to the gospel. It's God who will choose who will be saved, not us. We are simply called to share, to proclaim, to point to Jesus and what He's done. This reminds me that uh, back home, um, we've got a a shed in our back garden. And in that shed, there's a a bag of seeds I wanted to to plant over the summer. Didn't get around to it. And uh, I was looking at the seeds, and some of them have gone a bit brown. Some of them are dead. And on the side of the packet, it turns out that seeds have a best-by date. Who knew? Not me. And so I was thinking, well, there are still some seeds that do look okay, that do look alive still. I wonder if any will grow. And even you know, with all that work of planting and growing and watering, there will still be worth it because there may still be some life from those seeds. There's only one way to find out which will grow, by planting, by sowing, and by seeing. And in the same way, when it comes to planting in the people of Thermiston, it may look like the vast majority of people there are uninterested in the gospel, are spiritually dead, But as we go, as we plant, as we share about Jesus, well then God will wonderfully bring growth. And we will see some people come to faith. As we think about the people of Thurmson, as I think about those I've already met since living there, and our neighbors, who is it who will be amongst God's elect? Well, there's only one way to find out. So Paul's desire and goal is to see churches grow growing numerically as people come to faith, but also for there to be a growth in the depth of faith and a greater knowledge of the truth. And that's Paul's next priority, is to live the truth of the gospel. As we carry on reading in verse 1, we see that Paul's priority is to further the faith of God's elect and the knowledge of the truth that leads to godliness. Conversion is never where the story ends, but rather It's just the beginning. As people come to faith, that faith is to grow and to deepen. And that vibrant growing faith will manifest itself in godliness, in godly living. And so Paul writes to Titus, he wants his man on the ground in Crete to be planting churches that are filled with people who are coming to faith, But he also wants to see churches where people are growing in that faith. Those who are learning to love God more each day. Those who are digging deeper into their knowledge of the gospel. Because when local churches are like that, well, that's when they will begin to live out the gospel. That's when the good news of Jesus will shine through to the communities around them. Lives that will point others to the hope that we have. And speaking of hope, that's Paul's fourth priority. Be rooted in certain hope. In verse 2, we read that Paul's priority and his desire for Titus and the the new churches of Crete is that they would be rooted in the hope of eternal life. And isn't hope exactly what we need at the moment? I think it is. This is definitely something that I've seen since uh, living in Thermos and speaking to the people there. Particularly post-pandemic, there's a a desire for something, for someone to hope in. And here, Paul says, we have the greatest cause for hope there ever could be, eternal life. Hope that shines through the darkness of pandemics, that stands the test of suffering. Hope that even even overcomes death and takes us beyond the grave to new life an eternal life with God our Father. Paul wants church plants to be places of hope. But this hope isn't some fleeting false hope. It's not like the hope that I uh, had last week when I was uh, watching the FA Cup football match uh, between the mighty Swindon town and Man City, the uh, previous champions of the Premier League. This was a, a big game uh, for me and for my family. Um, I was born in Swindon, grew up there. And so um, myself, my brothers and my dad, we decided to watch the game together on Zoom, as you do nowadays. And uh, I was hopeful. My family less so they were predicting the scores, 4-0, 5-0 to Man City. But no, I was going to be hopeful. And so I said, one all it would go to extra time, and Swindon would clinch it. At the end, it was a a hope, but it was a a fleeting, false, and definitely unfounded hope. Final score 4 1 to City. But the hope that we see here, well, it couldn't be further from that. This is the hope of eternal life, and it is certain. How is it certain? Well, have a look at verse 2. The hope of eternal life which God, who does not lie, promised before the beginning of time. God doesn't lie. He doesn't lie. The one who gives this promise doesn't lie. But everybody lies. Everybody twists the truth or plays things down or exaggerates. Not God, though. God alone does not lie. His promise of eternal life is certain. And did you spot there when this promise was given Before the very beginning of time, God in his sovereignty ensured before time even began that we would have life with him forever, from eternity into eternity. God's promise means that we can be certain of this hope. And at the end of verse 3, Paul says that God brought this hope to light through the preaching entrusted to me by the command of God our Savior. So we can know about this certain hope through the preaching of Paul and the apostles. We can have hope of life forever because God's word speaks to us today. And so Paul's fourth and final point for church planting priorities is that they would be rooted in that hope, that certain cast iron hope. And imagine just for a moment how powerful and potent that certain hope could be in Thurnby, in Houghton, in Thermiston. And we don't need to just imagine, do we? The impact that it will have can become more and more of a reality as we are more and more rooted in that certain hope. So those are Paul's four priorities for churches, that they would be that churches would be planted in each local community, that those churches would know the truth of the gospel, and as they know that truth, they would live out the truth of the gospel, and that churches would be rooted in the certain hope that they have, and a hope that would transform the communities around them. But as we close, there's a danger I want to flag up here, because I think when it comes to church planting, and working out where we need to begin and what to prioritise, it is all too easy to look to ourselves, to turn to ourselves for getting the job done. But it's impossible to really listen to what Paul is saying here and to come to that conclusion. In fact, Paul says the exact opposite. As he starts to write this letter to Titus, everything he has said, everything we've looked at this morning, it all points to God. This is God's work. God is the one who Paul serves. God is the one who elects believers. God is the one who promises that certain life before time even began. God is the one who revealed the gospel to Paul and revealed it to us in his preaching. And God is the one who is our father and savior. It's all about God. So as we start to think more about this church plant and consider how we might get involved, We need to to hold on to the fact that this is God's work that we are entering into. It's God's work done his way by his church for his glory. Isn't that freeing? I think it's quite humbling, yes, but it's so liberating to know that whatever happens over this next year, it's God's work that we are entering into. And even though I've uh, only been in the post for six months, we've definitely seen this to be true already, with people seemingly coming out of the blue to join the church planting team, with the junior school opening its doors up to us and it being so easy to, to use that space for the future church plant. And there's so many stories that highlight to us that God is at work. It's his work and we're called to simply enter into that that work that he is already doing. Which leads us to question, so what? How about us? How can we get involved? Well, this is something that we'll be thinking about more in the weeks ahead as this series continues. But hopefully this morning, Paul's planting priorities have given you a renewed appreciation for just how important this church planting work is. And so I'd love to close by just underlining some uh, some of the ways in which that we can be uh, getting involved both now and in the future. We've recognized just now that planting is God's work done God's way. And so prayer, prayer needs to be something that underpins everything that we do. Uh, on, Monday, on Monday evenings at the moment, each week from 7.30 to 8, we're meeting uh, as, as a team, but anyone can come along. Uh, to pray for Thermaston. At the beginning of each month, we meet in person for pudding and a chance to catch up. But throughout all of those meetings, it's a great way to learn more about what's going on, to invest, and to pray, because it's God's work. Uh, Another key uh, part of getting involved with this plant will be giving. That could be giving financially to get the church up and running, to establish it. But it could also be giving of our time, of our God-given gifts to promote the plant and to build up the church. And of course, the most obvious way of being involved in this plant will be to come along, to be a part of that growing church planting team, that congregation that will meet in Thermiston. Now, if that's something that you'd be interested in, then do please speak to me afterwards or or ping me an email. And over the next month or so, we as a a cornerstone team of churches are going to be starting a new small group that will meet midweek and serve as an opportunity for that team to get to know one another better and to grow into that core church planting team. So please, let me encourage all of you this morning, whether you'll send and support or you'll go and grow, this church planting work is something that we can all be involved with as we look to spread the hope that we have in Jesus. Let me pray. Father God, we thank you again for that hope, that certain hope of life forever with you. That changes everything. And I pray for each and every one of us here this morning that we would be rooted in that hope and being rooted in hope that we would live different lives and people would see those lives and want to know more and want to know you. We pray that that would be the case here in Thurmby, and Lord, we ask you that that would be the case in Thurmson too. We think of those 13,000, and we pray that you will be planting your church, and that you would use us in wonderful, mighty, exciting ways to enter into the work that you are already doing. We ask this for your glory. Amen.